You're listening to the Stephen R. Else Podcast, the most hair-raising podcast on the World Wide Web. The Stephen R. Else Podcast is a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Stephen or Else podcast, the only show that's cornered the market on purple stretchy pants. I'm your host, so that makes me Stephen. And this week we're diving into the mind of the Hulk with volume one of the Immortal Hulk from Marvel Comics. But that's not all. I read a crap ton of books this week. I kind of fell into a hole, a rabbit hole, as you were, as you were, oh, Not starting out too well. Not starting out too well at all. I kind of fell into a rabbit hole. But we'll get to all that here in a bit. First, I have some announcements. Uh, First off, I wanted to invite all of you to check out my newest podcast. It's called Story or Else. And this is a podcast where I read to you from my books and short stories one chapter at a time. Right now, you can find the show on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, as they say. Uh, you can get it on Google Podcasts or Google Play Music and uh, Spotify and then pretty much anywhere else that great podcasts are played. And I started with The Other Gunfight. This is my weird Western sto- uh, short story. I'm three chapters in, so go give it a listen and stuff. It's it's an opportunity for me as I am uh, writing because uh, I'm, I'm trying to put together a, a new book. It'll be my third book. But it's going to be a collection of four novellas, uh, The Other Gunfight, Then a Penguin Walked In, Fanboys of Doom, and How Norman Saved Christmas. And it's a, it's a, so, so it's a four novella book. And as I write, when I'm, when I'm basically putting together my final draft, um, I like to read the stuff aloud because I find it very helpful. It helps me find, um, it helps me find mistakes, first of all, and it helps me, um, make the words flow better. You wouldn't know I'm a writer just by the way I'm talking, but it makes things flow better, I, I feel, uh, just hearing it out loud. And so this time I thought, well, I should record it so I can hear how it sounds. And then I just took it a step further and I've created a podcast. So story or else, go on, go give it a listen. And so, of course, that takes me to my weekly reminder that March is Superman month. That means for each of the four episodes in March, I'll be talking about the four trades that make up the death and return of Superman storyline from the 90s. So, yeah, (laughs) I don't know what else to say about that. Uh, Last, the last announcement I have is that the kids and I did go on a nerd quest earlier in the month. But as of the time I'm recording this episode, I honestly don't know if I'll have a NerdQuest segment uh, because we kind of forgot to record one. Now, how did that happen? Well, for those of you who are new to the show, let me explain what NerdQuest is, first of all. So once a month, uh, the kids and I go to the library. We we don't have a library in our town. We go to the next town over. It's It's about 25 minutes away. And pretty much anything that you can, you know, any book that you check out is due in a month. So we just go once a month, usually every Saturday or, you know, on a Saturday or a Sunday. And uh, once I started recording the podcast, um, we decided that we would uh, 
just talk about the kind of stuff that we were getting at the library. And then we expanded it because the kids had some money and they wanted to go. Uh, we went to a couple of comic book stores and whatnot. And so that's kind of what we do once a month. We go into town. We go to the library. We hit some comic book stores. We hit some other shops. And what I had been doing at the time was recording as we were in the stores. Well, that didn't I, – I, it tends to turn out pretty horribly, uh, those recordings within the stores. Now, the last one I did, we had so much of it that I ended up making its own episode. But what we had wanted to do this time, we usually hit the library first – but this time we wanted to hit the library last because we have, they have these study rooms in the library that you can book for an hour at a time. And so I thought we would hit the, hit the various retail stores. We went to Chops Comics and Lawrence. We went to, uh, Wonder Fair, which is an art supply store because, uh, Rana is, uh, is getting into art and drawing. Uh, we went to the Love Garden, which is a, it's a used record store. Simon went with us this time. He do- normally doesn't go with us, but he went with us this time because he wanted to get some vinyl. And then we went to a place that they call the Antique Mall, which is just a giant consignment store on three different levels and has all kinds of stuff. And then hit the library last. And the idea was we'd get to the library, we'd book one of these rooms, we would sit down and just talk about our day. And the places we went, what we saw, what we bought, that kind of stuff. Uh, and honestly, I just assumed that it would be pretty easy to get a room because we went on a Sunday and it happened to be the Sunday of the Super Bowl. And I just assumed no, there wouldn't be that many people at the library. But the library was not any less busy than it was any normal Sunday. So we couldn't get a room. And uh, we just thought, all right, well, when we get home, we'll record. And then we got home and we forgot to record. And it's been this whole thing. So whether or not there will be a NerdQuest segment within this episode, uh, that may or may not happen. It depends on if we get a chance to do any recording before this episode releases on Monday. And I can slide that in there. All right. So now that the announcements are out of the way, let me explain the, this this rabbit hole I fell into. So, okay, so I read volume one of The Immortal Hulk, right? I really enjoyed it. We're going to talk about that later. Um, but when I finished reading it, I had some questions. Now, I should probably say right off the bat, there will be spoilers in this episode. I really need to do a good job of saying that every episode. But if you're listening to my podcast Pretty much anything that I talk about is 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 old, at least by six months. I mean, the immortal, the um, good God, I can't talk. The immortal Hulk is probably the newest thing that I have read in a great long time, and it's at least five to six months old. But there will be spoilers if you haven't read it. If you're not caught up on Marvel, uh storylines, I guess. There will be some spoilers. All right. So I'm reading the book and I had some questions. And really, honestly, it was kind of one big question because in The Immortal Hulk, as we get into that story, we find out that Bruce Banner is supposed to be dead. And I do recall seeing something about that online. I don't read new comics. I've mentioned that. I can't afford it. Uh, but And I really haven't read new comics in over a decade. 
But I do try to keep up to date as much as I can by scouring the interwebs uh, for, you know, comic book news. And I do recall um, reading something about Bruce Banner dying and that Hawkeye was the one that had killed them. And I knew that it happened in an event. The problem was I just couldn't recall what the what the event was. And so after I finished reading the book, I did some research and discovered that the event was a little something called the Civil War II, which I immediately shook my head at. It's like, come on, guys. I mean, DC does this. Every one of their events has to be a crisis. And now Marvel is doing that now. But they're not – it's <laughs> – it's like I feel like they're not even trying. It's like, it's Civil War, the sequel. And so, all right. So I found out that it was in Civil War II. So my next move was to go on to Comixology Unlimited to see if it was available there. And it was, so I borrowed it. But I've never read Civil War II before. Um, in fact, the last event that I can remember reading for Marvel Comics was Secret Invasion. Uh, so... I didn't I, I didn't want to start I just I don't know I felt like a little unprepared I didn't want to go into it cold and I wanted to know what preceded Civil War because I I feel like I seem to recall that for a good decade or two there it's just it was just event after event after event for uh Marvel Comics. So I, I went back on to the web to see what preceded Civil War II and it was an event called Secret Wars. And I started scratching my head because didn't we already have one of those in the 80s? But if you if you look up the original Secret Wars, it's no longer called Secret Wars. It's called like something like Marvel Superheroes Secret Wars or something. Anyway, so I checked to see if that was on Comixology Unlimited. It was, so I borrowed it as well. But what about the event before Secret Wars? And this is this is when I really started to fall into the rabbit hole. So I found a list online at Wikipedia that lists out all the Marvel events, quote unquote events, um, throughout their publication history. And so I located Secret Invasion because that's the last one that I remember reading. And that was back in 2008. Uh, and that was around the time I had, I was getting ready to stop collecting comics at that time. I remember that there was a, around that time, there was also after Secret Invasion an event called Siege and Fear Itself. Um, but I stopped buying comics before Fear Itself started and I couldn't remember anything about Siege. I feel like I started reading Siege at the time, but I don't remember anything about it. So that's when I decided to make the stupid decision to catch up on what's been going on in the Marvel Universe. And what better way for me to do that than to do it with the events? So I figured I would start with the last one I remember reading, which was Secret Invasion in 2008. But as I was looking at the list of events, and I'm talking about the major ones, those, I mean, really those that involve the Avengers. Uh, you know, I'm not much of an X-Men guy. And I'm, I was really looking for, for those that, in essence, were the big major events. I mean, there were a lot of little ones. You know, there were some that happened in the Spider-Man comics. There were some that happened in the in the uh, X-Men comics and so forth. But I was looking for the big ones. Um, so I got to looking at the list of events. 
And I noticed that by, you know, the 2000s, like I said, there were a crap ton more events than I can even remember there being. And so I, I, I'm looking at Secret Wars and I'm like, well, you know, I can't, I don't, I don't know if I should start with Secret Wars. What, what happened before Secret? And I, so I just kept going backwards, basically. And all right, so Secret Invasion, let me start with Secret Invasion. And so I got that through Comixology. And then I thought, well, what came before Secret Invasion? And basically, I found a blurb going all the way back to 2004 and Avengers Disassembled that basically said, this is where it all began. A lot of stuff spun out of Avengers Disassembled, right? So I make my list. So starting with 2004, I started with Avengers Disassembled. And I make this list. Got House of M in 2005, Civil War, which went from 2006 to 2007, World War Hulk in 2007, Secret Invasion in 2008, Siege in 2010, Fear Itself in 2011, Schism, which is an X-Men crossover, but I got it anyway. That's from 2011. Avengers vs. X-Men in 2012. Age of Ultron 2013. Infinity in 2013. Original Sin in 2014. Axis in 2014. Secret Wars 2015 to 2016. Civil War II in 2016. Secret Empire in 2017. Infinity Wars in 2018. And then for 2019, we have the upcoming War of the Realms. That is a crap ton of events in such a short amount. I mean, really, that's, good Lord, 19, 18, 19 events in 15 years. And that doesn't include stuff like the hunt for Wolverine, the return for, of Wolverine, the Annihilation books, Spider-Verse, Spider-Geddon, all that other crap. That doesn't include any of that. That's a crap ton of events in such a short amount of time, really. I mean, if you, here, here's the thing. Looking at the list, I found it pretty interesting when it came to the number of events and how they've increased over the years. I mean, of course that makes sense. The number of titles Marvel was publishing, for example, in the sixties, uh, is rather, were rather small when you compare it to the number of titles published today. So of course, when it comes to events, there are going to be more today than there were back then. But I just still find it interesting. The, the, the magnitude of the event that has occurred just in the 2000s alone. And so, okay, so here's what I did. So I got disassembled and I read it. And then when, and, and if, if, if you weren't around at the time, you weren't reading books at the time, or you just forgot what it was, disassembled was ultimately an excuse for Brian Michael Bendis to do his own version of Avengers. Okay. So around this time, Brian Michael Bendis, is given he he he's going to start doing Avengers, but he wants to do the Avengers his way. He wants to do his version of the Avengers. He wants uh you know he wants some of the staples. He wants Captain America. He wants Iron Man. He wants some of the lesser known folks, but you know that are his favorites like uh, Spider Woman and um, Luke Cage. But he also wants Spider Man and Wolverine because and he makes a good point. Spider-Man and Wolverine are the two, at least at that time, the two most popular characters that Marvel Comics had. So why aren't they on the Avengers, right? That was kind of his argument the way I understood it. So before he could create an Avengers team with these characters, he had to destroy the Avengers team that was around at the time. 
And they were actually into uh, volume three of the Avengers. They had started over at one three times at that point with the Avengers. And um, Disassembled started with issue number, what if if they had gone through, if they hadn't started renumbering them, it would be the, the, the 500th itch issue of the Avengers. So when he comes on to the Avengers, they decide to go back to the original numbering. So they started with issue number 500 and they do Avengers Disassembled. And it's, I believe it was four issues. I just read it, but it was, uh, I've read so much in the last week that it's all kind of a jumble in my head at this point. Four issues. And honestly, I feel like I like, I remember liking it the first time I read it back in 2004. And it was entertaining, I suppose, this time around. But to me, it felt like what it was. We need to destroy the Avengers so that Brian Michael Bendis can do his book with his team. But the way they do it sets up the next event, which is going to be House of M. And so they have Scarlet Witch, who back in the 80s has two children with the Vision, who is a robot, essentially. And what we learn is that the children never really existed they had something at, way before this. I don't know when it happened, but it's they, the children never really existed. They were uh, a product of Wanda, the Scarlet Witch. They were a product of her powers. And uh, something had been done, so she had forgotten all about it. Well, at some point, she is she remembers that the, that she had these children and that they're gone. And so she has this nervous breakdown, basically. And... Uh, Destroys the Avengers ultimately is what happens with just a, a, a within, you know, a few hours systematically destroys the Avengers. And I'm not going to go into the whole story, but so the Avengers are done. They have this really ham fisted finale issue that's just called Avengers Disassembled Finale or something, which was supposed to make. Uh, you know, I, I guess I could read it and go, I could, you know, people could feel like, oh, the Avengers, they're gone. What a, you know, what a great memorial to the Avengers. But there were just parts in the book that just had me shaking my head. Like at one point, Carol Danvers, she says, we did do some good, right? Can Please, please tell me that, that we did some good. It's the only way that this can make sense. And I'm like, girl, you were the Avengers. You saved the universe multiple times. And you're now, because of this one little event, questioning whether or not as Avengers, you did any good. Come on. That, I thought that was pretty silly. That was a pretty silly thing to put in. But you know what? I pushed past it. This is the story of my origin, a sort of ordinary, normal, boring kid who wasn't concerned about prom king. Until I turned my tenure as an honorary member of the West Coast Avengers to a dirty South Swamp thing. They sent me on a mission to find the stolen remnant of the central store of wisdom divine. Code of the infinite, I've been to four dimensions in mind. Molded with pixel flick, a mental organism designed only for killing this mic. And the second we step in from backstage, we rap like it's an action-packed splash page. Act like we're trying to cause an avalanche cascade, cause we'd rather turn back than attack halfway. We're 
paving pathways like Stan and Jack both. In fact, these rap quotes impact like Black Bolt said it. So roll credits on these Jersey Shore girls. They can break the fourth wall. We break the fourth world. Painting pictures jumping straight from the page. And I'm the man of steel damage in your paper mache. Whether you get the singles or you wait for the trade. The Silver Age MC stay saving the day. We take your name at major labels for practice. We're radioactive without the radio play. And before I die, I'ma get my final tour. Holding the hammer of Thor. Standing the shoulders of Devil Dinosaur. We take the stage, write rhymes to fill a page. Cause the music we've made is bringing in the Silver Age. This is beyond the golden age of rapping comic books. Rock for people sick of the direction that the genre took. And Adam War Rock is rocking the mic. And Tribe One got it locked in my binocular sight. Damn right. For all the people saying back in the day, the Silver Age is here to bring back what Santa Jack made. Get up, everyone who So I was gonna, I finished up Avengers Disassembled. And then I was gonna move on to House of M. But decided no, because the Avengers, the, the House of M is, is an Avengers um, X-Men kind of crossover. But the Avengers that, that are in House of M are the new Avengers, which is the, the title that came out of Disassembled. So I read the first volume of New Avengers, which is also on Comixology. I like that a lot more than Disassembled. You know, you could, once you start reading New Avengers, you could tell, all right, so Brian Michael Bendis just, I I don't know, I just felt like Disassembled was just thrown together so he could do the story that he really wanted to tell. But he was planning, he was planning ahead. I do feel that Bendis was, was, he really, he really had some plans because he really did lay, there's some stuff that, as you read, that, that lay the groundwork even for Secret Invasion, which comes you know, four years later, but he was setting up House of M to a certain extent in Disassembled as he was destroying the Avengers so that he could do his team in New Avengers. So I read the first volume of the New Avengers, which I really did. I enjoyed. I'm not a big fan of David Finch, of his artwork. There's just something about the way he just, he makes everybody look the same, but with different color hair, the men and the women, they just, they have, I don't know. They have these weird, like, squishy faces. I can't explain it. But the new of the, the first uh, arc of the New Avengers, the way they get together, there's a big, massive breakout of supervillains at the Raft, which is a, a prison that houses supervillains. And uh, Luke Cage happens to be there when it happens. Uh, same with Jessica Drew, who is Spider-Woman. Because Matt Murdock and Foggy Nelson, at the request of Reed Richards, goes to see one of the prisoners who turns out to be this this guy they called the Sentry. Not Sentry as a hundred years, but Sentry as I'm standing guard. Um, and he was somebody that they retconned into the Marvel Universe. He's supposed to have been around forever. He's supposed to be the Marvel Universe's version of Superman. But because it's the Marvel Universe and they can't do anything that isn't, uh, I don't know, messed up, they had to make him kind of a psycho who at some point in his past, he killed his wife. And so he asked to be locked up. And uh, Reed sends Matt Murdock in to, I don't know what, they don't really explain. They want to help him understand they want to help the sent. They want to help him, the sentry. They want to help him understand what he did. They don't think that 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 he was at fault. That he was. He's not the one that killed his wife. 
I don't know. A lot of that, I guess, is explained in volume two. I didn't get there. Uh, but they brought Luke Cage along as the quote-unquote bodyguard. And then Jessica Drew, Spider-Woman, she's an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. So she's kind of their, their liaison. She's there with them because anybody who comes to the raft, such as a lawyer, to visit with one of the prisoners, they have to have a super-powered individual escorting them at all time, at all times. And that's that was that was her job. So there's a big breakout. Uh, they are they're already there. Captain America is in a shield helicopter heading somewhere, heading to DC when it happens. So he's practically overhead. Spider Man's sees it from his apartment. He hitches a ride on the helicopter as it's flying by. So they're all there. Iron Man shows up at one point, and it's it's through that that they that Captain America says, you know what, we got to get the band back together. You know, the original Avengers got together. Uh, under circumstances like this, where something happened, where any of you guys, you know, because he wasn't there when the original Avengers got together, but any one of you couldn't do it alone. So you got to, so you got together. It was, it was fate and this is fate. And so they create this new team and, and they basically start out by going out to get uh, the folks that escaped from prison. Okay. So that's the new Avengers. And so then I went from there to, House of M, which I just finished today. And uh, that, if you don't recall, so that is then, that's the aftermath of Disassembled. So in Disassembled, Scarlet Witch goes crazy, destroys the Avengers, kills Hawkeye, kills um, Scott Lang, Ant-Man, and kills the, the Vision, okay? And at the end, Magneto comes to get her. She's been defeated, and then they're like, what do, what do we do with her? And Magneto says, she's my daughter, I'll take her. And he takes her to Genosha and has Charles Xavier try to help cure her, basically. So when House of M opens up, um, Charles is trying to help Wanda. Nothing, it's not working. He can tell that there's, there's, just, there's just nothing he can do. And she has now grown so powerful that she could literally change the world as we know it uh, without a second thought and not even understanding what she's doing. So in the meantime, the Avengers and the X-Men are meeting at Stark Tower where the new Avengers headquarters is and they're meeting to try to determine because uh, Xavier gets them all together and says, we need to figure out what we're going to do about Wanda Maximoff, Scarlet Witch, because there's nothing I can do with her anymore. And uh, of course, the idea is brought up, well, the only thing we can do is kill her. And the X-Men seem to be down with that. Not all of them. The Avengers, of course, not down with that at all. And uh, in the end, they decide, let's go uh, Let's go to Genosha. We'll figure it out when we get there. Uh, there's got to be something else we can do. And Quicksilver knows they're all coming. He was just there. And he runs back and he tells his father, Magneto's like, they're coming. They're coming to kill Wanda. We got to do something. We have to do something. And then everything goes white. And everybody is now in this new reality, the House of M. And what you find out is that the Scarlet Witch, basically, she just gave everybody what they wanted. So Magneto wanted to ultimately have a, have a world where the mutants were no longer hunted and they were treated as equals. 
but also a world that he was in charge of. So he was a big, he was a big leader of, of, uh, I, I believe America. I think he was basically, he was the new, he was like King of America. Um, Spider-Man, he, uh, never meets Mary Jane. Gwen Stacy never dies. He's married Gwen Stacy. Ben, uh, Uncle Ben never dies. So he's married to Gwen Stacy. They've got a child. He's a celebrity because as you know, before Uncle Ben dies, he does get his super, his Spider-Man powers. But before Uncle Ben dies, he goes into the entertainment industry to make some money. So he's like a celebrity at this point. Uh, and so, yeah, basically all these people get what they want. But Wolverine, what he has always wanted, his greatest desire is to remember his past. He wants to remember everything. Because he has been experimented on and his mind wiped so many times, he doesn't remember, he doesn't know where he's from, he doesn't know really, you know, his origins, he doesn't know about his family, any of that. And so with this, he can now remember everything. But because he can remember everything, he knows everything that, that you know, that happened before the whole House of M world was created. And so that then starts, he, he, he finds, there's this girl that they find, Layla Miller, she also knows that everything is wrong and they have to go basically get turn reality back to what it's supposed to be. It was Avengers Disassembled, not as good as I remember it being, somewhat of a disappointment. New Avengers, pretty good. I could have done with a different artist. Uh, I probably would have liked it better had David Finch not been on it. House of M, fantastic, fantastic read. The when when Spider Man when they go because basically everybody who is in this new world they don't remember anything from their past they, as far as they know this is their reality. Their the uh, new pasts have been created for them. Well, Wolverine takes Layla Miller to Emma Frost, gets her mind going back again. Then they go around to these different heroes and basically they wake them all up. Well, when they do Peter Parker. And he realizes that um, Gwen Stacy actually died. Uncle Ben actually died. He doesn't have a kid. It is, it's actually very dramatic and very sad. Are you requesting? Yes. <laughs> That's my wife just walked in, so I'm going to take a break. <laughs> Say hi to everybody. You're requesting people. Hello. Yeah. 
so that that was House of M, and that's where I have finished at this point. My next step should be based on the list that I have created. Should be to move on to Civil War, but I think instead I'm going to do um, New Avengers Volume Two, which I feel like I probably should have read before House of M, but uh, it's too late. I also kind of want to look on Comicsology to see what books maybe are out, you know, that are available that kind of uh, came out of House of M. There's a Wolverine book, at least two volumes that are available that I got. I think it's called Wolverine Origins. And I believe that it kind of spins out of House of M. Because when everything is brought back and put right, all the heroes that were there that had been woken up, basically, they still remember everything. The heroes that were there that were still, you know, during the event, during the House of M, when they were in that world... And they didn't know any different other than that world. When every when everything goes back to normal, they don't remember any of that. But Wolverine, on the other hand, he not only, of course, remembers before House of M and during House of M. He 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 wakes up in the grass outside of the 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 Avenger the Avengers the X Men mansion. He's like, I can remember everything. So that leads leads me to believe that he remembers everything about his past. And then I think this book that came out of that, Wolverine Origins, I don't remember who wrote it, and I don't want to look it up on my phone right now, uh, but Steve Dillon was the artist on it. I feel like that came out of House of M. Like, that's supposed to give us a lot of information about his past. And I do remember reading it. I just don't remember anything about it. So I think what I'm going to move on to next is New Avengers Volume 2 and then this Wolverine Origins. All right, so let's talk about the Immortal Hulk, and then we'll wrap up the episode, and I'll send you on your way. I'll send you out there in the world a little bit different than you were when you started this episode. So the Immortal Hulk collects issues one through five of the Immortal Hulk, and like I said, it spins out of it spins out of this, I guess, this Civil War two event. I don't know, there was something else, Secret Empire, I think, because Secret Empire came after Civil War II, and then this book, Immortal Hulk, came after Secret Empire. You know what? I don't know what's going on in the Marvel Universe during this time. I know that at one point, Amadeus Cho uh, was the Hulk. Never read any of those. I don't know what the circumstances were. I'm assuming that came out of Civil War II. But when this book opens up... um, Bruce Banner's back. Everybody thinks he's everybody thinks he's dead. Everybody thinks the Hulk is dead, but there are sightings of the Hulk and there's a particular there's a, there's a reporter, I think she's in Arizona. Her name is McGee, and I believe that the reporter from the old Hulk television show was also named McGee. Um let me hold, hold on, let me just look uh real quick. I want to find the um the credits on this book, because I think the, the writer's name is Ewing, um, but I'm not 100% sure. So while that's loading up, let me tell you about my my history with the Hulk. So the first uh, first exposure I ever had to the Hulk was the TV show from the 70s with uh, Bill Bixby and Lou Ferrigno. And as a kid, I thought it was the coolest thing on TV, but at the same time, the Hulk scared the crap out of me. 
I didn't like when he changed into the Hulk. That that made me more nervous than anything else. There was something uh, incredibly creepy about his transformation. Um, they play that that you know there was just this music they played and uh bill bixby would look at the camera with this look of shock and pain and his eyes would be green and it just freaked me out as a kid there was also a cartoon uh that aired at you know with um spider-man and his amazing friends in the 80s that i they used to watch all the time but my biggest memories of the hulk are the Peter David run. If you if if you if you remember the Peter David run of the Hulk was an epic run and it he had all kinds of great artists on it. Todd McFarlane was on that run. Uh Dale Keown was on that run. Gary Frank was on that run. I'm sure there's others. Um but that is my my probably my most current memory of the Hulk really is that run. Uh didn't read a lot of Hulk after that. And so going into this, I really wasn't sure what to expect, but it is a much darker Hulk than I guess most folks are used to. Um, and it kind of goes back to, so, okay, so when Bruce Banner first became the Hulk, and I never read any of those old stories, but from what I recall, from what I've read or have been told or read in other stories, back then it wasn't he would change into the Hulk whenever he got angry. It's he would change into the Hulk when the sun went down. Kind of like a werewolf thing. But at night, he would change into the Hulk. Well, that's what we got going on here. Uh, okay, so the writer on this is Al Ewing. And the penciler is Joe Bennett. He was inked by uh, Rui Jose. I, I probably did not pronounce that name correctly. Colored by Paul Mounts and letters by Corey Petit. So... <clears throat> I'm not going to go into everything on this book. I'm going to, I want to kind of stop doing that because I feel it's, I don't know. I don't want to talk about that. But ultimately what we have here is we have David or Bruce Banner who changes the Hulk at night. But the Hulk now is, he's not Hulk smash, Hulk angry. He's very intelligent. He's not like super intelligent like Bruce Banner, but he's, he's just as smart as I am, if not smarter. And he seems to be out for vengeance. So the first appearance he makes is because uh, Bruce is in a, in, in a convenience store. This kid comes in with a gun to rob the place uh, and is surprised by one of the customers, shoots her. She's basically a teenager, notices Bruce Banner standing there, shoots him in the head. Banner dies. The girl dies. He kills the, the guy behind the counter. He gets the money and runs away. Um, but then night comes Banner's body is at the mortuary or the, the, the morgue night comes, he becomes the Hulk. So Banner can't die. Meaning the Hulk can't die. He's the immortal Hulk. And the first thing he does is he goes, he find the Hulk finds this kid and punishes him. I don't think he kills him, but he makes him wish he was dead. And that's kind of at first kind of how the book goes. Um, there's a lot of references to the to a, a door um, that the gamma bomb. Okay, this is kind of the part about the the story I wasn't quite sure sure on, and I don't know if I'm in, enjoying this aspect of it, but we'll see as the as the story goes on. But there's this there's a lot of stuff about that makes me feel like what they're trying to say is 
it wasn't the gamma radiation per se that turned him into the Hulk. And they've toyed with that before, that the Hulk was always a part of him uh, because of the way his father abused him. Um, the Hulk was always there. The gamma radiation just brought him out. Well, this makes it sound more um, supernatural, like the gamma bomb opened up a door to hell or somewhere like that. And the monster that is the Hulk came through the door and into Banner because at some point in the book, Walter Lankowski, Sasquatch from the Alpha Flight shows up, which just, I'm just like, what? That's freaking Sasquatch. But he makes, and this, this is almost where the whole falling into the rabbit hole started because Walter Lankowski refers to himself as a member of the new Alpha Flight, you know, the diplomats in space. And I just did not understand what that meant at all. I had to go look it up. And apparently there was a, a Captain Marvel book in which Carol Danvers was in charge of the of Alpha Flight in space. That blew my mind. So, of course, I went looking for that. And that made, you know, what little I started reading about that made reference to Civil War II, which also made reference to Bruce Banner dying. And so that's that's all honestly where it all started. I was just going to go back and read the Captain Marvel book uh, to find out what, what with uh, Alpha Flight. And uh, then I then was, nope, apparently you got to read, you should probably read Civil War II first. And then it just went from there. Uh, but there's a, a part in the book where Walter Lankowski changed, he, he died. Okay, so he gets stabbed and I'm, gosh, I'm trying to remember the circumstances behind that. It might've been another, another robbery of some sort, but he gets he gets stabbed and he dies, but then he comes back as Sasquatch. And uh, basically they make mention again of, of a door opening and letting something in. But it's not – and it turns out to be uh, Bruce Banner's dad, which I found really confusing. So, okay, so basically what they're doing here is the, the Hulk 
The Hulk has always been a sci-fi, to me, has always been a sci-fi character, right? He was created through science. So to me, that's a sci-fi character. But what they're kind of making him into now is he wasn't tech, he wasn't really, I guess, created by science. There was a supernatural element to it. So now it's more of a paranormal book. Now, I really enjoyed it. I really did. Um, and I will be reading more as they come out. Uh, as long as they're on Comixology Unlimited or I can get them through Hoopla. But it's not, it's not the Hulk that I remember, right? It's not steeped in science. There's science to it, of course, because you can't have Bruce Banner and not have science in it. But there's a lot of the supernatural element to it. And it's the, the Hulk can, um, he's like a, uh, so what I'm looking for, I hate this part. He can sense gamma radiation. So some of the book is, is, uh, like one of the issues was, was a, a, a gam, a guy who has superpowers because of gamma radiation and, um, the Hulk sought him out. Uh, there, there was a, another one where people in this town were just dying and they thought it was some kind of disease uh, it started with this one teenager, like the, the captain of the football team, big super football star. And some guy in a bar is talking about how it's just a, it's a, it's a depression. People are just falling into this grief depression and, and people are just dying. And no, it's because this guy, the kid's father, uh, who had some kind of disease, something that was killing him, uh, was, researching gamma radiation based off of Bruce Banner's work and created some kind of serum that he shot into himself that he thought would cure his, his cancer or whatever. And, um, it seemed to, so his son was also suffering from this or something. So he gave his son an injection as well, but it, it didn't, it, it, uh, had the different effect on his son. His son dies. And then he ends up turning into this weird gamma creature that, just emits this radiation from him at all times. And, and, uh, so he goes off to the hills and he hides away and anybody who comes near him, he kills him. And in the meantime, his son is in this grave and that's emitting gamma radiation and people who have come to the grave to, to mourn, uh, they're getting soaked with this gamma radiation and they die. But Bruce Banner's just in a, in a bus, you know, like a Greyhound bus and they're driving, on the highway and the Hulk inside of him senses that there's gamma radiation in this town and makes Banner basically stop and get off the bus and fix the situation. Um, I really don't know what else to say about the immortal Hulk. Um, the art was, was, was freaking beautiful. It's a uh, really great art. I really did enjoy the story. I thought the writing was, was, was really well. It was just, it was dark. Um, I mean, it's not, it wasn't that dark. It's not like the freaking Punisher or anything. Um, it's not, it's not the Hulk I'm used to, but it is a Hulk that I, that I am enjoying and I can, I can, I will probably, uh, grow to really love. And the main reason I read it is because there's all kinds of people online talking about how great this new series is. Um, and I was expecting something different. I had been hearing, folks talk about a, a supernatural element to it, but I'm just not too hip on, on them changing the Hulk into a super, I don't know. It's like, uh, 
it's like what they've done with Spider-Man, you know, with the whole spider totem thing. I just, I just, I don't like that whole, you know, a lot of the Marvel characters were created based on science, right? Not real science, of course, because, you know, Stanley doesn't know anything about science, but, you know, a lot of radiation and, and genetic manipulation and whatnot. And there are mystic supernatural characters, but for some reason it kind of bugs me when they take a character who is created uh, in a, in a, a, I guess, quote unquote, scientific way, you know, this was uh, Bruce Banner uh, getting hit by a gamma bomb and the radiation turns him into the Hulk. Plain, simple, done. I can buy that. But other writers get a hold of these characters and it's like, I have to do my own spin. And I get it. You have a character that's been going on for 75, 80 years uh, it, the, the, the same old, same old can get kind of stale. So a writer gets on one of these books and they want to do their own thing. They want to, they want to put their own spin on it. And, uh, usually one of the first things they do is that they make their origins a little more complicated. And I'm afraid that characters like that, when they, when, when a new writer comes in and they want to do their own spin, they just make the characters more and more complicated. And I tell you what, when I was kind of looking when I was kind of looking into what happened to Bruce Banner uh, in the past to lead up to this, it all felt pretty complicated. There was some stuff in the book that that they were talking about that his past and the various things that have been done to him that's just, you know what, I kind of had to gloss over that stuff because I didn't read any of those books. But they, it's it's like stuff that it felt to me like if you knew, if you'd read all this stuff – that's only going to enhance your enjoyment of the book because I don't know. I don't know. I think the, the longer a character goes, the more they put new people on a book and then they want to give their own spin on a character. And so they, they add stuff to their origin. You know, first it was just, he's just a guy. He's just a scientist who was trying to save a kid from being blown up. He gets soaked with gamma radiation. He turns into the Hulk. Then they had to add the element, well, there's a psychological component to that because his father used to abuse him all the time. So it's not just as simple as this gamma radiation turned him to the Hulk. The Hulk was always a part of him psychologically. The gamma radiation just brought that out. And now we're getting into a whole doorway into some mystical realm where monsters are. I don't know. I don't know if that's where they're going, but I know at some point he goes to hell uh, and he's in hell. I don't know. All I know is I liked it. I'm just worried. Can I say that? I liked it with trepidation. I'm trepidationally. Is that a word? Trepidationally? Probably not, but I liked it with some trepidation, but I, but I liked it. What else do you want me to say? I liked it. I'm just worried. That's all. I want to thank you for listening to the Stephen or Else podcast. I love y'all. I love y'all so much. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to send me an email. You can send that at stephenorelse at gmail.com. If you don't want to send an email, you can go to the website, stephenorelse.com, and can you, you can leave a comment on the episode. If you don't want to do that, go to the Reddit reddit.com slash r slash Stephen or else. Come join the Reddit. Come join in the conversation there. If 
this one podcast is not enough for you, then uh, go check out my new one, Story or Else. Listen to me read some books, the books that I wrote. Listen to me read them. You can find that wherever great podcasts are played. If you want to help me in any way, the easiest way that you can do that is just go out and tell other people about the show. Recommend the show. Go to Twitter. Go to Facebook. Go to wherever. Go to Instagram. Tell everybody about the show. Refer people. You can also be my patron over at the Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Stephen R. Orr. And for as little, let get this, okay? For as little as a dollar a month, you are going to have access to my other podcast. And that's called My Other Podcast. It releases at least, well, not at least, at the most it releases twice a week. There have been weeks that I've only done one episode. You're going to get at least an episode a week, but most weeks you're going to get two episodes of that podcast. And you're going to get that for just a dollar a month. You there, there are other tiers, but the lowest is a dollar a month. And every tier has access to that podcast. So, yeah, go do that. Because it takes money to run these podcasts, right? You gotta, you gotta pay for hosting. You gotta, you gotta take time out of your life to do it. Not that I'm, not that I'm whining. I enjoy this. I like being able to talk about this stuff. I'm just saying, you know, if you wanna, you wanna throw some money my way, that's the way to do it. That's all I'm saying. All right. I'm going to take a breath here, and we're going to continue with this closing. I get a little worked up sometimes when I'm doing the show because uh, I just like talking about the stuff that I'm talking about. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't know why I'm getting defensive, but sometimes I just get defensive. I don't know why I'm defending getting defensive. We could go do this all day long, but we're not going to. The theme song for this episode is Worship by Trinity X. You can find it and more songs from the band at atomiczombierecords.bandcamp.com. The rest of the music comes from Adam Warrock. You can find him at adamwarrock.bandcamp.com. So this is my episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you come back next week. I don't know quite what I'm going to talk about next week. Actually, I do. I have a whole list. I'm talking about Bigfoot Sword of the Earth Man next week. Does that sound something that will interest you? It's from uh, Action Lab. I'm going to talk about other stuff too. That's the one I know for sure I'm going to talk about. But I'm going to be, I'm going to keep reading these events. So maybe I'll be talking about Civil War next week. Maybe I'll be talking about some of the other books next week. Maybe I'll do some more uh, New Avengers. Maybe we'll get into World War Hulk. But God, that is a hard one to say. World War Hulk. All right, I'm done. I'll see you guys next week. Be nice to each other. Good job. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion? Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.